You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my good friend, Gil Martin. He's a writer for the Packers Post and Cheesehead TV, and I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Try to text at 231-714-4195. You can text questions to us. We'll answer them. Uh, got a... a decent number of listener questions this week heard from some listeners um regarding what they want here in the off season nice to hear from you guys um today we are going to be talking about the salary cap and the you know you're all aware that the packers have some significant salary cap issues this off season what we are not going to do on this episode is pitch to you Here's what we think the Packers should do to fix their salary cap. We're not going to do that because, frankly, we don't know what they're going to do. They have a lot of different options in front of them. They may not even know what they want to do. I would say it's a near certainty that they don't know what they want to do yet. Uh, Welcome to the show, by the way, Gil. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for having me. So o- over the next couple of months uh, and and certainly over the next few weeks, as we are awaiting Aaron Rodgers decision about what he wants to do, the Packers decision about what they want to do with Rodgers. We're going to be having a lot of conversations with a lot of people about the various options uh, available to the Packers and you are as well. And so what we would like to do is a refresher uh, course on what a lot of these salary cap terms mean. For example, void years. Um, how do how do uh, various bonuses work and and uh, various uh, dead cap hits and that kind of stuff. And we're going to take a look at um, contracts on the Packers books right now and how they're going to have to move things around to get under the salary cap before the new league year starts. Um, We are going to be using as our guide uh, over the cap. That's the no huddle radios preferred uh, salary cap website. I know spot track is really popular. I tend to trust over the caps numbers a little bit more. Um, Some certain things don't always get calculated correctly by spot track. So that's why I like over the cap. Um, so that's, what we're going to be going to be looking at. <clears throat> so, uh, but before we do that, you know, we do have a little bit of Packers news in coaching moves. So, uh, Gil, you want to run us through what happened? Well, uh, I mean, I guess the, the biggest news for a lot of people was that we will have a new special teams coordinator in 2022. And uh, Mo Drayton will not be back with the Packers. And, you know, I, I have uh, sort of conflicting feelings about that. Maybe I'm the only one, but uh, I, I feel for Mo Drayton on a personal level. But I realize, obviously, that uh, the Packers are right to move on from him at this point. Yeah, 
So, so the Packers are going to have three different special teams coordinators in three years, four special teams coordinators in five years. Um, it's an issue. They are not hiring the best people. And I think that that is not the full extent of their issues on special teams. I think pretty clearly special teams has not been a big enough emphasis in practice. Uh, I, I don't think that the organization as a whole cares enough about special teams. And certainly I have never felt like Matt LaFleur valued special teams enough. Um, <clears throat> I I felt like that was reflected in his hirings of Sean Menenga and Mo Drayton in how little time was being dedicated to special teams drills in practice. The biggest thing, well, and, and, and the lack of um, any real substantial changes uh, after embarrassing special teams play after play week after week for uh, certainly the last two years. And I think, I think you probably would lump 2019 in there as well if they had not kind of lucked into Tyler Irvin as such a dynamic returner. Mm -hmm. um, I think you would lump that in there as well. Certainly, I think talent level has been an issue, but I'm I'm really going to push back on the idea that we need more starters on special teams. I've always resisted that idea. I think you need um more time practicing special teams. And I think you need some of the bottom of your roster, I think needs to be constructed a little bit more with special teams in mind. I always really like having a dedicated returner, uh, you know, back in 2019 and, and earlier, we'd have like Tremont Williams out there handling returns. And I, it just kind of made me sick. Uh, I, I always felt better when we had a guy like Irvin, who just was the re the returner. And I, I felt that it was fine to have your running back three be that guy this year mm -hmm. uh, in uh, Kylan Hill. And then your wide receiver, what, five or six or seven in Amari Rogers. That's fine. Um, but, you know, th there was there were people throwing out the idea, well, maybe we need to have MVS or Devonte handling returns. Uh, you know, we need uh, AJ Dillon and and other starters like that yeah, out blocking and stuff. And I just, I, I, I don't like the idea, but I do want to add just a tiny bit of context to the Packers using some starters on special teams against the 49ers. They had to, because the 49ers were putting their own starters on special teams, which is not what they typically do. They were doing that because they felt like the Packers special teams is such a vulnerability that if we put some of our best players out there, we can actually generate points off of special teams. And they were absolutely correct. And the Packers yep. had to counter by putting some of their own starters out there. And the result was AJ Dillon ended up with uh, one or two broken ribs. Um, and so uh, I, I, I do think it's important to acknowledge why that game was an outlier and why they did need to put starters on the field for that game to match what the 49ers were doing. But I, I really strongly push back on the idea that we need to have special uh, starters out on special teams 
uh, on a, on a regular basis. I, I don't think that's the answer. I, I think that it's unnecessary. I mean, occasionally you, you want to make that move if it really can benefit your team in one specific big moment kind of a thing. But to me, it's more of an emphasis, whether it's in practice, whether it's bringing in a few players whose primary focus is going to be on special teams. You know, I'm not going to go as far as to say special teams is one third of football because they don't get as many snaps as your offense or your defense. But it is still important to have quality special teams out there and especially look we saw it only too well against San Francisco where when you have two contending teams out there going at it in a playoff game with the season on the line special teams can be the difference between going home and moving on in the playoffs and uh, it's something Packer fans found out only too well this year so special teams coordinator is a vacancy um Gil, you and I were talking before the show about the various coaching vacancies the Packers have, and did we have candidates in mind that we'd like to see the Packers go after? <clears throat> and the short answer kind of was no. So they, you know, they need a new tight ends coach, they need a new quarterbacks coach, they need a new special teams coordinator, of course. Um, Adam Stenovich, the offensive line coordinator, got got promoted to offensive coordinator, replacing Nathaniel right. Hackett. And Luke Butkus got promoted from assistant offensive line coach to offensive line coach. Jason Vrabel um, got a title bump and a pay raise just as an incentive to stick around and not accept uh, Hackett's um, offer to go off to Denver, which I, I think I think. LaFleur blocked that anyways, but also it was, hey, here's some money because I blocked you. So, <laughs> um, but as far as uh, a new quarterback coach or a new tight ends coach, I don't have any names. I really wanted the Packers to think about bringing in Joe Brady to coach quarterbacks. I wasn't sure it was something he'd be willing to do, um, but he has already been hired by the Bills to be their quarterbacks coach. So that idea is um, out the window. As far as special teams coordinators, Gil, you told me that you didn't have any names. I no. still have just one name that I would be interested in calling up, and that is the same name I had a year ago before we hired Mo Drayton, uh, Braden Coombs. He was, um, or maybe you pronounce it Combs, Braden Combs. He was the special teams coordinator for the Lions in 2020, and they were quite good. He did get fired. Um, I think the... Oh, what's his name? He, he was the interim head coach, uh, and then he went out, went down, and, and finished off the year for the Jaguars this past year as the interim head coach. Oh, I forget his name, but anyways, uh, he fired Braden Combs for running a fake punt without uh, getting permission from the head coach before doing it, which I get. Um, but he, he ran a yeah. what? But he, he ran a he ran a really good unit, uh, oh, go nice tight ship. They were pretty good. I I just don't know why he's not getting interviews um, for a special teams job. I, I I it just makes a lot of sense to me to to bring him in for an interview at least. Well, look let let's see if they go that route. You, the one thing that I said before we started recording, and I know you agreed with me on this, 
it can't be someone from within the organization. They need a fresh perspective and a fresh start. Yeah, they made a couple of internal hires um, for roles already. We kind of went over that, and and then there were there were two other like quality control guys who are now assistant coaches, and that's all fine. But I, yeah, I I don't think the Packers are going to look internally for the special teams coach. I think this might be the year that they take it a little bit more seriously and uh, bring in somebody who has at least done it before and had some success as opposed to, I mean, look, Sean Menenga had like never done anything ever. And then they just brought him in because they just needed a person to run special teams. Anyways, we don't need to talk about this anymore. (laughs) Let's start talking about the salary cap. So, all right. So uh, first of all, what is the salary cap? The salary cap is how much money you are allowed to spend every year on paying your players. Um, there is uh, there are some misconceptions and untruths about the salary cap. You will frequently see on social media people say the cap is a myth. That is absolutely false. It is. It can feel that way at times because of teams like the Saints, the Vikings, uh, lately the Packers, where it seems like you're really screwed and in the hole and uh, you have no wiggle room to bring back your guys and then you bring them back anyways. <laughs> uh, but just just know that it's not a myth and it's not just, oh, well, a cap guru can can create space. No anybody can create space. It doesn't take a cap guru to create space. It doesn't take someone really creative to create space. It just means spending tomorrow's money for today. It's like a credit card. Uh, And and we'll cover, we'll cover some Mm -hmm. of the ways that you do that. But if, if a team doesn't have any salary cap space and you hear, Oh, they can't afford to bring their guys back. And then they bring them back anyways, just know that they didn't just create cap space they borrowed from the future and spent it now. So the bill will come due. The bill will come due. And as a prime example, so the, the saints were, I think last off season, they were 50 or $60 million over the cap. And then they brought back basically everybody. And uh, with, with the exception of, they didn't have a quarterback. Right. And then this off season, they still have uh, they're still like $50 million over the cap. They didn't fix their cap situation. They spent future money on a year that honestly really didn't matter because they didn't even have a, have a quarterback and mm-hmm. their cap situation is still not fixed. They are going to have to cut guys that they don't want to have to move on from at some point. If they're smart, they'll do it this year. If they keep trying to prolong this window now without Drew Brees and without Sean Payton, if they keep trying to prolong this window and keep bringing back everybody they want to bring back, then they're going to be forced to make bigger cuts next year. Yeah. Look, eventually the bill comes due. You've got to pay it. And yes, the cap does go up every year, just about, although COVID sort of threw everybody a curveball by lowering revenues unexpectedly. But, you know, the creative moves you can make, eventually you have to pay the piper. And the Saints are a good example of that right now. Yeah, that's a great point. So, um, yeah, so the COVID year, 
resulted in a massive amount of lost revenue. And the NFL decided that they were not going to completely slash the salary cap that year. Um, the salary cap. So here, here, here's how you get the salary cap, by the way. <clears throat> so the players union and the owners have a collective bargaining agreement that dictates what percentage of revenue goes to the players and what percentage goes to the owners. And I believe the numbers are right around like 51% to the owners and 49% to the players. It's, it's right, right around that area. Well, for the COVID year, there really was hardly any revenue at all. And so what should have happened if they just honored the original agreement is the players don't really get any money because the owners also don't really get any money. You, you have 49% of, of what we make and we didn't make very much. Well, that 49% then is divided by 32 teams. And that number right there is your salary cap. So for 2022, uh, the salary cap, I'm looking at the wrong page. The total salary cap per team, where the heck is it? Cap space, uh, $208 million, uh, $208,200,000. That's how much you have to spend on, on all the players on your roster, including guys who don't make it all the way through the year. You bring in a guy, um, for training camp. You pay him for a couple weeks. You cut him. He still counts against your cap. <clears throat> so what what should have happened if they had just honored the original gr- agreement is that the cap would have decreased massively for every team, including the Packers, and they would not have been able to afford to honor all these contracts they have with all these players. And they would have had to cut a bunch of players. Right. So instead, the owners agreed to foot the bill out of their own pockets for that year. And what they were doing was they were loaning a ton of money from their own bank accounts to fund the players salaries so that their teams would not have to just cut a bunch of players. But that, that money typically in a given year comes from ticket sales and ad revenue, uh, TV contracts. Well, during the COVID year, there just was not anywhere ne- anywhere close to as much money as you needed um, in order to actually pay all the contracts up to that $200 million mark that, um, that had been previously agreed on. So since it was a loan, the owners need to be paid back and they agreed to do so over the course of five years. So we are currently... I believe just two years into is it two years or is this, I guess uh, 2021. So 2022 would be the second out of five years that that is getting paid back. And so it's going Correct. to be a lowered salary cap from what it would have otherwise been had COVID not happened. So instead of uh, 49%, the players are now getting, uh, let's just throw a imaginary number out there. Cause I don't want to look it up. Uh, 42%. Okay. They're getting 42% because you have to pay the owners back for the money that they just loaned you. So 
the obvious big issue here that everybody brings up is what about these new TV deals? Isn't this influx of new money basically going to wash all that out? Yes, but you can't just ignore it and completely factor it out and say, oh, there's so much new money that it doesn't matter anymore. It still does matter. And the salary cap is not jumping up in these massive leaps and bounds just yet. For example, in 2022, it really didn't go up very much at all. Uh, They have not yet agreed on what the base salary cap will be for 2023. It's estimated to be 225 million, which is a jump of uh, like it's 25 minus eight. 12. 25 minus eight uh, is 17. 17. 17. Okay. So that's a jump of $17 million per team. That That's what it's estimated to jump up to next year. The estimate for 2024 is it would jump up to $256 million. <coughs> Excuse me. So if those are the numbers you have, um, and I think that NFL GMs are going to plan on it being roughly around that, That does help you because you can borrow a bit from the future. And again, we're going to explain how you borrow from the future. You can borrow from the future to kind of pay off some of your issues right now. And just assume that, okay, let's say that we borrow $50 million from 2024. Well, then that would mean our salary cap in 2024 is $206 million. And our salary cap in 2022 is $208 million. So that's you know, kind of just makes a lot of sense that you would uh, borrow this money from the future to try and fix your uh, COVID cap issues for right now. But you also have to factor in that not every team is going to follow the exact same pathway there. And so players are going to get much more expensive over the next two years. You look at what, for example, quarterbacks are making right now, Patrick Mahomes, signed a half a billion dollar deal averages out to $50 million a year. Um, You know, a few years ago, Aaron Rodgers was the highest paid quarterback in the league. He was making just North of 30 million bucks. And it seemed crazy at the time. And now Mahomes is making 50 million. You're going to continue to see those kind of jumps in all players over the next few years. So it feels like you're going to have a lot more money in the next couple of years, but that, You know, it's a bit like raising the minimum wage where, okay, everything else has to get more expensive (laughs) to kind of stoke up all this extra money. Now, just to confuse people even more, not only can you borrow against the future, but if you don't spend all of your cap money one year, you can carry some of it, not all of it, but some of it over to the following year. So how much are the Packers carrying over uh, this year into 2022? I believe it's around uh, two million bucks, something like that. Yeah. Um, man, the Packers spent a lot of money <laughs> in twenty twenty one. Well, this was the, this was supposed to be the last it. dance, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they were all in. All right, let's. Yeah, you're you're exactly right. So let's let's look at a couple of uh, of terms here. So a couple of the biggest ones you're going to hear. Uh, let's talk about dead money, dead money or dead cap. That is, um, 
That is money that counts against your salary cap for players who are no longer on your team. You are, you're not giving money to those players, but it is counting against your salary cap. So money and salary cap are a little bit different because let's say that you have uh, a signing bonus for a player. Well, if you give a, a player, say a $20 million signing bonus and they have a four year contract, you're putting in, in most cases, you're putting all 20 million in their pocket, in their bank account, like basically that day, mm-hmm. the day they sign that contract. <clears throat> and the reason that teams like to do that is, you know, it's it's nice to give your players a massive amount of money right now, but it doesn't all go on your salary cap right now. If it is a a signing bonus, that is going to be spread evenly across the salary caps for each of the four years that player is under contract. So you are paying them $20 million right now. And it only shows up as $5 million against your salary cap this year. And then another 5 million next year and so on for all four years. So for basically every team in the league, the amount of actual money that's being paid out is just not, an issue. And it, it, that is even true of the Packers who don't have a wealthy owner. Uh, I've seen a lot of people bring up the report that, Oh, the, you know, the Packers have this rainy day fund, um, you know, in, in X number of millions of dollars in the bank uh, that they can use to weather the storm in future years and stuff. And people will bring that up and say, well, couldn't you use that money to, uh, you know, pay Devonte Adams to fix that situation? No, it's not about money. It's about salary cap. The Packers mm-hmm. have plenty of money. Even with COVID, they have no shortage of money. The issue is they are not allowed to give more money to the players than what the salary cap allows. So these are some tricks to that you can use to spread out um, the cap hit so that you can still give Devontae 20, 30, $50 million today if you wanted to. And that would go into his bank account today, which is obviously a massive incentive for him to go ahead and sign whatever deal you want. But that does not immediately hit your salary cap all in one big chunk. It's spread out. So if you then move on from Devante for any reason, let's say that for some reason you have to cut him or you have to trade him, and uh, you know what? Let's use a player other than Devontae so it's less confusing. We'll, we'll say Kenny Clark. <clears throat> For some reason, you have to move on from Kenny Clark. You have to cut him or trade him, whatever. Well, you gave him this big signing bonus, and those uh, salary cap hits that are spread out over X number of years, that is now becomes what you call dead cap because Kenny's no longer on your team but all that money still counts against your salary cap. Well, here's a big problem that will arise with that is that the second he's no longer on your roster, you can no longer spread it out over all those years that he would have been under contract with you because he's no longer under contract with you. So if you trade him, if you cut him, that money that you already paid to him, uh, which for Kenny Clark specifically Excuse me. It was $25 million over 
five years. So let's say that they cut him today. Uh, that would mean for 2022, 2023, and 2024, that's $5 bucks a year for three years. All of a sudden, all that hits your salary cap today. So he is no longer $5 million extra against the cap right now. He's $15 million extra. So it's actually more expensive to move on from him than it would be to keep him. However, when we say expensive, we're only talking about how much it cap. hits your salary cap. No question, but the, 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 all of that money that, you know, accelerates so that it all comes right. due at once against the cap only. Yeah. It doesn't come due to Kenny's account. That's it, it's already been put in his account. He may have already spent it all for all we know, or maybe he's really good with his money and he invested it all. But the point is right. it all comes due against the salary cap, but it, but that's not save money only- against the cap also. Correct, because the only thing that's actually continuing to hit your salary cap is one of two things. Either money that you've already paid him that is spread out over uh, multiple years like what we talked about, or guaranteed money that you still have to pay him even though you moved on from him, which for the majority of the Packers players, they don't put a lot of guaranteed money in there. They prefer to instead of saying, "Oh, we're going to guarantee that you'll get at least uh 40 million bucks from us out of this 80 million dollar contract." Instead, what the Packers really like to do is follow this signing bonus structure where okay, we're we're not going to guarantee you 50 million bucks over the next X number of years. Instead, we're just going to give you 50 million bucks today that goes in your bank account. And now we can move on from you at any point in time and not owe you any more money, but that money will still hit our salary cap over the next few years or accelerate it all at once. If we cut you, it gives the Packers a lot of, of uh, freedom and flexibility um, to move on from a guy later on if they want to. Right. So the, adv- and, the, and- the example of Kenny Clark, his base salary for this year, 2022, is supposed to be about $8.25 million. If they were to release him, and they won't, thankfully, but if they were to release <laughs> him, that 8.25 comes off the cap. Right. So that is money he has not yet earned. That is money just for playing games. <clears throat> Excuse me. That is <clears throat> that is uh, 8.25 that is spread out equally over the 17 games that he needs to play for the Packers. So uh, every week that he plays, he's going to get 8.25 divided by 17. He's going to get what? 480,000 bucks for every game he plays. Just not half bad. No, Um, not bad at all. I'll do it for half. (laughs) (laughs) So the, his total cap hit is much bigger than the amount of money he's going to receive because a big chunk of this is money he has already received back in 2020 when he signed this new extension. So he's going to earn in 2022 currently as his contract stands today without being changed at all. He earns eight and a quarter million bucks just for playing the games. He counts an additional five million dollars for this year as the one fifth portion of the $25 million signing bonus he got. 
He also has a couple of other bonuses that he can earn. <clears throat> he has a $6.4 million roster bonus. And I don't know what day of the year that roster bonus is due. I think it's the third day of the 2022 league year, which is, I don't know, what, what month is that, March? Yeah. <clears throat> so the third day of the new league year in March, if he is still on the roster, boom, the Packers owe him 6.4 um, additional million dollars. <clears throat> he also has a roster bonus uh, per game. Every game that he plays <clears throat> that that he is, uh, I think it's not even active for the game. Just if he's on the roster for that game, he earns an additional five hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I think that's how I think that's how it works. Maybe that's a. Uh, I'm not sure what that is. Maybe that that's uh, not per game. Maybe maybe that is uh, for the whole season. But for the season, he, but he exactly. earns that additionally for being on the roster. <clears throat> so it all, and he has a workout bonus of $700,000. So his total cap number for 2022 is $20.86 million, which is almost 10% of the Packers total salary cap. So all of that to say, if you were to cut him today, um, how much would he be owed? Well, I mentioned specifically if he's cut today. Because if you cut him later on in the year, that number changes. If you cut him today, or I should say uh, once the 2022 season starts, at that point, he would have a $15 million dead cap hit. And that is solely just from that signing bonus. You got $5 million bucks a year for three years. The benefit of waiting till later in the year, if you were going to move on from him and if you could afford to keep him on your books up until uh, June 1st is that after June 1st, he uh, it, cutting him would all of a sudden no longer reflect on your 2022 cap. So you could at that point cut him and only owe him $5 million this year for that signing bonus and the remaining two years wouldn't kick in until next year. Why they've designated it as June 1st, I'm not sure. But after June 1st, if you release a guy, all of a sudden that money, it is accelerated, but it's not accelerated until the offseason. So you would save $10 million this year by cutting him after June 1st. And then you would have $10 million dead cap for Kenny Clark next year in 2023. So hopefully that kind of helps clear that up a bit about what, uh, how, how the dead cap works, how the uh, pre or post June 1st numbers work. And then obviously your cap savings is, well, if you move on, th on from the guy, how much does that free up for you? Because sometimes you could end up in a situation where it's actually cheaper to keep him instead of cutting him because of how much dead cap would be accelerated to right now. To At where least against oh, this year's cap. Yes. Correct. Yes. Um, but for a lot of guys, they do have a bunch of money in, that they are going to be owed in the future that you could save by cutting them. So <clears throat> as you're looking at cap savings, especially if you're looking on a website like SpotTrack or, or um, over the cap, you might look at the column and it says, oh, there's a negative cap savings. 
what the heck does that mean? Well, it, it literally does mean that. It means that it's more expensive this year to cut him than to keep him. So you might right. as well just keep him. So that is a thing. Uh, anything else on that topic that we need to touch on or want to move on to other terms? Uh, just want to know when the test is going to be. <laughs> there is no test. It's the great test of life. <laughs> well, Russ Ball has the test, but yes. <clears throat> uh, another thing uh, real quick, this is kind of just a, a side point. You might see people throwing around uh, a couple of conflicting terms about a hard cap or a soft cap. And here's all that means is that in the NFL, you, the, you know, the salary cap is not a myth and it is a hard cap. And what that means is you cannot go over the cap there. There is no way to go over the cap. If you go over the cap, the NFL just starts voiding contracts. Okay. So who, and, and they do it in reverse order. Let's say that, uh, the, the last, uh, five or 10 guys that the Packers signed to contracts. Let's say that all those contracts add up to $10 million combined. And you happen to be $10 million over the cap. The NFL just voids all those contracts until you are under the cap. So there there's no possible way that you can be over the cap. That's all it means for it to be a hard cap in the NBA. They have a soft cap and that means you have to be under this number and if you want to be over that number, then you have to pay a fine. <laughs> so, you know, to these millionaire owners, that's nothing. You might as well just go over yeah. the cap like that. And then, <clears throat> so that that's more similar to the luxury tax in baseball than it is to a cap. Yep. And baseball, by the way, does not have, at least right now, they do not have a salary cap. So you can pay as much money as you want to. And, um, and, no real consequences uh, of any, you know, substantiation. So I think that kind of makes sense to most people there. Uh, I want to talk about restructuring because that is something you hear a lot of the time. I remember uh, David Bakhtiari. They signed him to a new contract and it was like the off season and the new league new league year had just started or something. And news came out that David Bakhtiari had restructured his contract and this was going to help the Packers. And I saw a bunch of people taking it to Twitter and saying, thank you, David, that, you know, you're wonderful. I can't believe you did that. Just FYI. Number one, that was not up to David. That right. was just the Packers just did that. Number two, it's not a generous thing. He didn't take a pay cut. Literally just all that happened is the Packers structured his contract in a way so that um, for the first couple months of his contract, <clears throat> they were able to save a bunch of money for that current year. And then once the new year started, they changed the terms of his contract and pushed a bunch of cap hit <clears throat> out into the future, not money cap hit. And in fact, the practical um, uh, consequence of what happened is that David Bakhtiari received a massive deposit into his bank account because they he got his uh, money sooner. <clears throat> he got his money sooner money that he was going to earn anyways. He just got it sooner, which ended up being really handy for him 
uh, when he didn't really have to play the entire year, but it's beside, beside the point. Um, so all that happened is they took what would have been his salary that he earns, you know, per game for playing the whole year and turn a bunch of it into a new signing bonus. So that is money that uh, let's say that they freed up $9 million from that year. So now they're, they're turning that from salary that he would have had, had to be paid and they turn it into a bonus. So that just goes in his bank account immediately. And then they split up the cap hit into $3 million this year, $3 million next year, $3 million the year after that. So, you know, do we love David Bakhtiari? Absolutely. Was what he did, and I say he did, it was really the Packers, was anything that happened with restructuring his contract a big, generous, magnanimous move by David Bakhtiari? No, it wasn't. It was just, hey, we're going to cut you a massive check um, in a couple of months. Uh, right now we're going to structure your contract a certain way and you're going to get your big signing bonus. And in a couple months, we're going to restructure it and give you another big check. Um, and then that's just going to help our salary cap situation. So, so it's a win-win here. It, it is a win-win. And you hear a lot of times on social media, well, you know, you could just maybe, maybe Rogers would agree to a restructure to save the Packers some money. Well, first of all, the vast majority of the time, the player has no say in a contract being restructured. For example, the Packers actually restructured Zadarius's contract last year, and he was pissed off about it. Yeah. He wasn't pissed off because it was giving him less money. No, he got a, a massive paycheck uh, right to his account. He just was ticked because he could see the writing on the wall that said, oh, I'm about to be extremely expensive to keep in 2022. And that probably means they are cutting me before the 2022 season starts. Mm-hmm. And that's that why he was upset. facing now. And they probably are going to cut him. Doesn't mean they have to, because what they could do is sign him to a new contract. Give him a contract extension. How does that work? Well, you're adding extra years onto his existing contract. And what can you do with years? You can spread out salary cap hit in the form of signing bonus. So you could, if you were, if you had confidence that Zadarius is still going to be an elite player for the next five years and that you have a good relationship with him and you want him around for five years, you could add four more years to his contract here and uh, take a bunch of this dead cap hit and spread it out over the next five years. You could do that. And that, and it would be such a large salary cap hit over all those years that you would have to keep him around for at least three or four of those years. Or you're suddenly looking at a situation where if you cut him all of a sudden he counts for $130 million in, in dead cap hit, which you can't afford. So there's a, there's a give and take here of, How long do we think that we can count on him and trust that he's still going to be a player that we actually want around because he's still playing at an elite level and is a good fit for what we're we're trying to do. You're giving up that security of being able to move on from him. If he suddenly has a, you know, he has a bad injury and can't really recover from it. And he's a bad player after that. You don't know who knows what's going to happen. And you're, and you are, 
have him under contract here to where he's going to come up and play like garbage and you still have to keep paying him because if you cut him, you're going to get this massive, massive dead cap hit. So the Packers really don't like giving up the flexibility to move on from a guy if they have to. Uh, but when you have a such a big cap hit like what Zadarius has, you really only have two options. Either cut him right now and just eat that dead cap hit, which is, you know, likely what they're going to do. Or go ahead and give up a bunch of flexibility and keep him around for another five years, whether he's good or bad. So uh, that's that's kind of how restructuring works. It's not a pay cut. Uh, you hear a lot of times that Tom Brady always took these pay cuts. And it is true that he was, you know, you, not really ever the highest paid quarterback in the league. That's true. But the idea that he was constantly taking pay cuts here and there and everywhere to keep guys that he likes is kind of overblown and overstated. It's it's exaggerated. No, what, what he did do was he didn't take the maximum amount of money he could have earned right. as the best quarterback or one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And part of that had to do with not the salary cap or how generous he was, but part of it had to do with the fact that because his wife made even more money than he did, he didn't really need the money the same way a lot of other players did. What about void years? This is a uh, relatively new topic that we don't discuss very much in Packerland because prior to 2021, I think the Packers basically never used void years ever. <laughs> and then Kevin King came back. <laughs> and then every player, they were adding void years. They added void years to Mason Crosby. Yeah. They brought in Devondre Campbell, who thankfully turned out to be a really good player. But this is a guy that you don't know if he's any good at the beginning of the year. And they're slapping a bunch of void years on the end of his contract. And he's only making like 2 million or, or 4 million bucks or whatever. Yep. What is a void year? A void year, remember, you can you can spread out signing bonuses over all the years left on the contract. Well, a void year is essentially a fake year that exists only for the purpose of spreading out salary cap hit. So <clears throat> if you were in a situation where you thought, you know, in the next one to two years, maybe our salary cap situation is going to be light years better. Maybe the NFL is going to sign these new TV contracts and we're going to have an additional $100 million added to our salary cap. Wouldn't it be great if we could take a guy who we owe $20 million to and we could give him a million bucks this year and then 19 million next year <laughs> to just be on our roster for this year. Very specific, unique situation and very clearly the situation that the Packers seem to think they're in. They added all these void years to basically every player that you could. Adrian Amos, Billy Turner. I, I mentioned Mason Crosby and Devondre Campbell. Uh, I mean, everybody was getting void years. There's still a couple of guys that you could go ahead and add void years to. So the way it works is let's say that 
you got a guy who is under contract just for this year, just one year. Kevin King is a fantastic example. He's only under contract with us for just 2021. Well, he wanted $5 million. Packer said, we can only afford to get to, to have you count for a million bucks against our salary cap this year. So we're going to sign you to a one year deal with four void years. And most of your money is going to be in the form of signing bonus. And you're going to make veteran minimum for your salary. So you're going to receive 5 million bucks in your bank account today. And you're going to be, you're going to play for us for one year. As soon as this year is over and we only have to put $1 million of your uh, total money on our 2021 salary cap. As soon as this year is over, there's these four imaginary years that on the first day of the new year void out. They don't exist anymore. You are no longer under contract with us. And those $4 million that were, that were spread out over four imaginary years, they are all due immediately in 2022. So we paid, excuse me, we paid Kevin King a total of 5 million bucks for one year of play. And that only cost us a million bucks in 2021. And it cost us 4 million bucks in 22 to pay for him being on the roster in 2021. So does that make sense? What you have is a situation where the Packers were able to use that to sign Kevin King and stay under the salary cap for 2021. But now 2022 comes around, you're going to have a big dead cap hit for Kevin King. And he's probably not going to be on your team. Probably not. Now what you could go ahead and do with Kevin King, (coughs) excuse me, you could go ahead and let's say that there is a, an imaginary world where Kevin King, who felt that he was worth $5 million in 2021 suddenly um, decides that he is only worth the veteran minimum in 2022, you could go ahead and sign him to a new contract where you're just ripping up the old contract and you still have all this, uh, this dead cap or you have this cap hit of 4 million bucks that has to get paid at some point. You could just add a couple years to his contract where you're not paying him very much more new money, but you can afford, but but you can spread out his cap hit over the next couple of years. The reason I don't think that's going to happen is because he thought he was worth five million in 2021. I don't think he suddenly thinks he's only worth the veteran minimum in 2022, so he's probably not going to agree to that deal. But if he was willing, maybe you're throwing an extra one to two million at him for one to two years. And you're able to spread out that $4 million, uh, what would be dead cap charge over a few years and have that uh, not be such a big hit in 2022. That is the only way that you could lower his cap hit in 2022 when he may not even be on the team. Either way, you have to have Kevin King account for 4 million bucks this year. Um, unless you were to sign him to an extension where you could spread that $4 million out over a few years. So the Packers have put themselves in a bit of a bind with all of these void years that they have, uh, that they added in 2021. There's a bunch of these players that they're going to have to 
uh, either signed to extensions or just eat that dead cap hit. The problem with eating the dead cap hit, obviously, is that they are currently $50 million over the salary cap, and so they need to free that up. So, uh, you know, it's a little complicated, but it does actually have its own logic to it. Obviously, the biggest domino that has to be solved is Aaron Rodgers' contract because currently he is scheduled to count for $46.6 million against the cap in 2022. The Packers absolutely cannot afford to have him count for that much in 2022. It's just not possible. That is uh, 22% of their salary cap. You can't have 22% being eaten up by one player. Now, that this is not me saying Aaron Rodgers needs to take a pay cut. This is me saying the Packers have to change something about his contract this year or, or well, or nothing. They just have to. It's not possible to fit $46 bucks onto their uh, salary cap. So there's a couple things you could do. One thing, obviously, is he could retire or get traded or get cut. And uh, there, each one of those situations would save the Packers money in a few ways. And it also would result in a massive amount of uh, dead cap for them. Or if they decide they want to keep playing with Aaron Rodgers long term, you sign a new deal with him where you add a bunch of years to his contract. You'd have to add four or five years to his contract. And you could free up a stupid amount of money <laughs> in 2022 <laughs> by putting a, like we said, you, you give him a huge signing bonus. So he gets a massive wad of cash in his bank account today, and it doesn't count for very much against your salary cap this year. So his cap hit would go from $46 million down to uh, presumably you could get it around like $10 million uh, for this year. If you um, really uh, structured things in a crazy way, added some void years on the end of it, that kind of thing, you certainly could do that. Um, and in fact, uh, Ken Ingles on Twitter, if you're not following Ken Ingles, you need to be, he is the Packers salary cap guru, very well known, highly respected, awesome guy. He went out and calculated what is the maximum amount of money that the Packers could free up this year if they went and uh, restructured everybody that they could, which is just 16 guys, and added the maximum amount of void years and all this, turned a bunch of their money into roster bonuses, all that. How much could is the max that they could free up in 2022? The number he came up with was 96 and a quarter million dollars, which they're obviously not going to do to that extreme. But I think they certainly will uh, free up a portion of that in that manner. So, yes, you have, but because you have you to fix, you have to solve your problems. <laughs> You'd have to gut the entire team. You'd have only a, uh, uh, undrafted rookies <laughs> make, exactly. make up your entire roster at every position. <laughs> it would not work. You would, you would go Owen 17. <clears throat> so 
the Packers have a, a bunch of contracts that are certainly issues. Um, after Aaron Rodgers' contract, which they have to change somehow, whether that is agreeing to a new deal with him, whether that's cutting him, trading him, him retiring, those are the only options that I know of. Uh, you have to do one of those four to, to change his contract in some way. Uh, after his contract, the next highest cap hit is Zadarius Smith at $27.6 million. <clears throat> so what I think is most likely is that he just gets cut. If he gets cut, his cap hit goes down by $15 million. So he's no longer on the team and we have to pay 12 and a quarter million dollars to him. Uh, but it frees up 15 million. I think I, I just would be really surprised if they don't do that. Um, but uh, th that's your, your easiest option. The other thing you could do is go ahead and give him a contract extension and say, Hey, even though you missed the whole year due to injury, we think you're going to bounce back. Um, and Gil, I, I know we're running a little bit late, but uh, I, I, I think we probably can no problem. Uh, keep talking and, you know, until we, until we get this all covered, you could go ahead and, and extend him. If you think that he's still going to be good for the next few years and bring his cap down in a massive way uh, by doing that, but you are giving up the option of moving on from him. If for example, in 2022, he's terrible. Well, then, then the Packers would be facing a lot of dead cap money to, to release him uh, if they were to restructure his contract. The third guy up is, um, I, I would say, is actually a guy who's not under contract with the Packers. Obviously, I'm referring to Devontae Adams. Um, and <clears throat> one of the terms that we have to cover that pertains to Devontae Adams is the franchise tag. How does the franchise tag work? Well, the franchise tag is an amount that is set by the NFL for basically a, a uh, top player at the position uh, across the league. So <clears throat> the franchise tag option for Devontae Adams would be somewhere in the range of the low 20 millions. I think it's 22 million, something like that, which honestly is really hard for the Packers to swallow since they are already $50 million over. So you're suddenly automatically $70 million over. And since it's a franchise tag, you don't have any of those tools available to you to reduce that cap hit by, for example, adding void years. You can't do anything with it. It just is that 20 or $22 million. So it's not a fantastic option. The only benefit to it is that it's a one year thing and Devante can't refuse it or, or rather he can't, he can't uh, refuse it and then go play for somebody else. He could refuse it and just sit out, but he can't refuse it and then go play for somebody else. That's really the only benefit. I don't think the Packers. Well, no, no, there's one really other benefit that. and that's the sign in trade. Yeah. Because then you receive something for losing him as opposed to losing him for nothing if he departs as a free agent. You know, and, and here's one of the massive downsides of that 
is that is a pretty significant blow to Green Bay's reputation. I think you I think you would find, you know, Green Bay is not a very desirable destination geographically. One of the only reasons that they can get um, talented players to come play for them is that they have a reputation of treating their players well and taking care of their guys. And I think if you did that to Devontae, that is a pretty bad look that could hurt you for a bunch of years to come. I would be pretty loath to do that myself. You would think, although the alternative is if Devontae agrees to it, if you do it in consultation with him, that doesn't, you know, okay, we're going to sign you to this deal and trade you to wherever, let's say, Aaron Rodgers is going. That's where you want to go, but we're going to get compensated for your departure. That, you know, could be a win-win again for player and for team, and it's done cordially as opposed to with animosity. Well, here's a massive, massive drawback to that is that you cannot trade any players until after the new league year starts and you have to be under the salary cap before the new league year starts. Right. So it's a little tricky. You would have to free up the $50 million that they are. Actually, it's closer to 51 million than 50. It's 50 and uh, 50 million, 790, 1000 essentially. You had to free that up plus an additional $22 million to tag Devante. You'd have to do all that before the new league year starts. Then you would trade Devante. And I think we just kind of said the only reason you would do a tag and trade there is to get something in return for a guy that you can't afford to keep. Well, in order to get to the point where you would be allowed to trade him, you would have to move stuff around to the point where you actually could afford to keep him. So at that right. point, which just keep the guy, what are you going to, you're going to get what, like a, a, a third round pick in return, a second round pick, maybe in return for moving on from him. Um, for, for a, a one year tag and trade situation, which by the way, I'm not even sure that he would agree to that because, no, 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 no. He can it make wouldn't a lot be a more. tag and trade. It would be a tag sign and trade. Well, but but why would he do that? Because he's going to, he's just giving up the option to go pick whatever team he wants and sign for whatever he wants to only benefit the Packers. How does that benefit him in any way? I don't know it, that it. Be, I, because the Packers would agree to send him where he wants to go and sign him to a deal that would be to his liking, but the team would benefit from getting either draft picks or players in return and the cap relief. I just don't know why Devontae would agree to that, though. Well, Because why wouldn't he just want to go into free agency on his own where he could go to whatever team he wants? I, just, it, I, I know that it is technically an option. It just seems so improbable to me that any of the pieces, there's so many roadblocks in the way of making that happen that it just. It's complicated. This is where the, the ability of a rust ball to manipulate, play around with the different ways to save money on the 2022 cap and push money down the road. Uh, you have to be creative. And that's why rust ball is considered one of the best in the business.
So the Devontae contract is something they have to solve. They can't solve that until the Aaron Rodgers contract is solved. Aaron kind of uh, committed. Uh, where, where, where did he say this? I think he might have just said it in a, in a press conference with the Packers that, or maybe it was on Pat McAfee, one of the two. He, he kind of said that he is going to uh, get things worked out with the Packers by like mid to late February so that they have the time and resources available to do what they actually want to with Devante, which is sign him right. to a new deal. And that they are not boxed into a corner where they have to use the franchise tag because the franchise tag for Devante just doesn't really benefit anybody. So Aaron kind of said that he's going to uh, make sure that he gets things straightened out with the Packers, but what they're doing with him. So they have enough time to do what they want with Devante. Uh, Zadarius. I think, I think you really just have to count Zadarius as already gone. He, he even uh, did a social media post on, on Instagram, just uh, saying, thank you Packers. And it's a picture of him crying. I, I don't think that was because of the 49ers loss. I think that's because he was informed that they're not bringing him back. Right. I'm not reporting that. I am just deducing that from very obvious clues. <laughs> uh, David Bakhtiari then is another guy whose contract they're going to have to toy with because his cap number is $22 million. One of the issues there is they've already uh, restructured him heavily to the point where his base salary this year is only $3.2 million. Um, the rest of the money that he was um, supposed to get for 2022, they already paid to him in bonuses um, uh, in, in a, the form of a signing bonus. He also has a roster bonus of $9.5 million that's going to be due, I think, again, on the third day of the new league year in March. I would almost guarantee that that roster bonus is going to get converted into a signing bonus. Because the roster bonus just means that it uh, has not hit the salary cap at all yet because conditions have not met, have not been met yet, i.e. the correct date appearing on the calendar. But when you turn it into a signing bonus, then you can just pay him that money and spread the dead cap out or spread the cap hit out, sorry, over the remaining years of his contract. So I would expect basically all that $9.5 million to get converted into a signing bonus. Uh, so 9.5 would then be divided over three years. So that would free up about 6 million bucks, lowering his cap number from 22 down to about $16 million yep. for 2022. And I think that's about the max you can do with him. I don't think there's much else you can do. He has a couple of other little bonuses uh, of less than a million bucks a piece for a, a, um, uh, game day roster bonus and a, a workout bonus. I don't really know if there's anything you can do with that. I'm not sure it's worth it, at, you know, for $600,000. Um, but I think they'll free up about $6 million And maybe they could free up another uh, six, seven hundred thousand by converting the as much of his base salary for 2022 into more signing bonus. Um, I, I think that's almost a guarantee that they're going to do all of that. The downside of that is he becomes more expensive to move on from in the future. And with David Bakhtiari specifically, we now have some pretty big questions about the future of his health because of how 
poorly his ACL recovery has gone so far. He was talking to Aaron Nagler, oh, maybe two weeks ago already. Yep. About why he couldn't play against the 49ers because of how badly his knee responded to the Lions game. Obviously, we really hope that he's going to be fine and ready to go in uh, another eight months here for the 2023 season. But we kind of hope that for the 20, uh, or, or sorry, uh, 2022 season. But we kind of hope that already for the 2021 season, it didn't work out. So you do have questions about his uh, recovery here. I think that no matter what, they are going to go ahead and make these um, these adjustments. But you are putting yourself in a even more negative situation moving forward because of that. That's the risk you take. That is the risk you take. So we're not going to go through the uh, rest of the contracts. They're going to have to um, adjust. I'll, I'll just throw some names out. Preston, Kenny, uh, Adrian Amos, Billy Turner, Aaron Jones, and Rashawn Gary. You also have uh, the question out there about Jair Alexander and, and the need to sign him to a new deal because his rookie contract is is um, up after this year. Just FYI, he is going to get a new deal, and signing him to a new deal is going to free up money. It, it does not cost more for right now to give him an extension. It actually frees up money because you can take what he is supposed to earn this year, which is 13 and a quarter million dollars. And you can spread a bunch of that out in cap hit over the years of his new deal. That's just going to happen. Uh, so don't worry about that. Don't stress about whether we can afford to pay him and Devante. Uh, Jair is not going anywhere. He's going to be here. So don't worry about that. Adrian Amos might not be here because that is a contract that you kind of would have expected. He would have gotten an extension last year and the extension this year is not as beneficial <clears throat> from a salary cap perspective as it was a year ago. But um, now at this point, you definitely have to do something with his contract. So do you go ahead and give him an extension now that he kind of deserved a year ago? Or do you cut him? Those are kind of your two options. So we have to keep an eye on that. Uh, I would be disappointed if we move on from him, but it is definitely a real possibility. The whole process starts with the domino of Aaron Rodgers. If he retires, it's one set of circumstances. If he stays and signs an extension, that's a different set of circumstances. And obviously, if he's traded the cap implications are different again. So that's sort of the first domino that is going to determine everything else. Last couple things before we wrap up. Uh, the Packers also, in addition to just getting under the cap, they do have to free up additional money to sign their 2022 draft class, which I think uh, is projected to be, in the neighborhood of about an additional 10 to 12 million bucks. So you do have to free that up. Also, you need to free up some money for in-season moves, such as going out and getting Rasul Douglas if you need him, that kind of guy. You need money in order to do that. Uh, the Packers do have to free that up. Um, they, uh, I think last year, they had about 6 million bucks to spend in year and they end up spending like 4 million of it. Um, so, 
but but you do need to budget about six million ish for this year. So uh, that, that's an important number too. And then the last thing is, you know, the Packers uh, have a ton of free agents that they have to either move on from or resign. Guys like uh, I think uh, Robert Tunyon is one of them. I know Alan Lazard and MVS are in there. Obviously, the biggest fish is uh, Devonte Adams, but you're you're going to see that a bunch of the free agents are going to have uh, different terms next to their name, like exclusive rights free agent. <clears throat> and what does that mean? An exclusive rights free agent means they can only sign with the Packers. If the Packers decide not to make them an offer, they become an unrestricted free agent and are free to sign with any team. And the benefit of that for the player is that the Packers have a minimum amount that they have to pay an exclusive rights free agent um, if they want to keep them. So it's a very simple matter. Uh, It's not a ton of money. Like a guy like Alan Zard is not going to be getting like 5 million bucks. All all the Packers have to do is just extend an an offer to the player of at least as much as the uh, exclusive rights tag. And at that point, Al Lazard cannot go negotiate with another team. His options are play for the Packers on that amount of money or don't play at all. Basically, and, and then, you know, a restricted free agent, you which is what Lazard is this year, you have a tender, you can make, you know, either a right of first refusal tender, which is a lower number, you can give them uh, a offer based on a certain round the compensation you would get. So a second round tender, which I believe is worth about $4 million. So if anyone else tries to find Lazard, the Packers would get a second round pick in return. If they don't match the offer, um, that, that is what a restricted free agent would. And then, then obviously the uh, third category would be unrestricted free agent. And it's exactly what it sounds like an unrestricted free agent can go sign with anybody they want to. They can negotiate with anybody. And that also includes the Packers. The Packers could just say, hey, listen, you like us. You love us. We love you, too. We want you here. Uh, you know you know that if you play here, we're going to give you the starting job you had uh, with us uh, for last year and the you know a couple years ago. Uh, you know your role here. Here's how much we can afford to give you. We think you're worth this much. <clears throat> and if that player says, yeah, it sounds like a good deal they can sign there. Or if they say, no, I think I can get more money from another, another team and I'm willing to do that. Then they can go off and uh, do whatever they want to. So hopefully we have done a good job of explaining all of this. Hopefully you have not been too sick of hearing my voice a ton on this episode because <laughs> I'm a nerds nerd and I absolutely love the salary cap. It's super fun to me. Uh, so even though I have a bit of a cold and my voice is a little bit rough, I, I talked a ton on this episode. So, uh, sorry, Gil. No, uh, you know, you did a pretty good job of explaining it. Uh, so hopefully people understand. And if you have questions, email us or, uh, hit us up on Twitter and we'll try to clarify anything that is unclear. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, That does it for us today. We'll be right back here next week with another spicy topic for you. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. 
can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Text us at 231-714-4195. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, Go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com